Welcome to another episode of Sabine's Common Sense. I'm your host, Sabine, the Purpose Lawyer. Thank you for listening and thank you for helping me be on purpose. So guys, today I was just sitting here thinking about how we're always looking at people and you could tell me, maybe it's just me, but I think we are always looking at people who are highly successful who we think that they always had it all together, right? We think that they've always been motivated. They've always known exactly what they wanted to do. They made all the right decisions, took all the right steps, and that's how they got to where they were. And if you're like me and you suffer from comparison syndrome, <laughs> you know that you, you tend to look at yourself and say, how come I didn't do it all right like they did? And it's not necessarily that they had it all together, right? They may have just ended up at the right destination, for, for instance, I know someone who has a business that's worth $750 million. And I know someone who's close to them who said, you would have never known that this is where they would be. Like they didn't know at all what they wanted to do. And they come like a super long way. And we tend to look at those people and think that they, you know, um, they, they had it from from the jump. And so if you're one of those people who think that, you know, you're lost or you're not exactly sure like where you want to go and or how you're going to get there, um, maybe sometimes you think that you may even be lazy, but that's not the case. You're not lazy. You're just picky with how you use your time, right? You're choosy about how you spend your time. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, it's just about finding the thing, right? And sometimes you're just going to do the things that you can do at the moment until you find um, that thing. Now, on the flip side, my next guest really had it all figured out. And just know that just because you have it all figured out, if you're one of those people, it doesn't mean that it's going to go according to plan. And that's okay, because guess what? She got there anyway. So uh, it was it was not easy. It was a long road. And there were some challenges in there that would have probably made you want to quit. So I hope you guys enjoy this interview as much as I did. Enjoy. Welcome, Bianca. <laughs> hey, thank you so much for having me. It's been, I haven't talked to you in like a while, I feel like. Yes, it's been like forever. <laughs> but yeah. I've, I've seen you've been doing wonderful things. Um, so audience, if you guys don't know, this is Bianca Jordan. She is the brazen lawyer. <laughs> she, her firm is called Brazen Legal, and she is... She knows all things um, immigration, but she also has an amazing story. So we're going to get into that. Right, Bianca? Yeah, definitely. I'm always here um, to share my story, share my journey, especially right now as we're recording this. It's about um, mm -hmm. it's around the time when people find out like if they pass the bar or mm -hmm. not. Yeah, that is a part of my story. Um, but yeah, like, what do you want to know specifically? Yeah, because um, I can, you know, I <laughs> <laughs> right. So you're an attorney and you kind of always uh, thought you may want to be an attorney. So tell me a little bit about how that idea came about for you. Sure. So I've wanted to be an attorney since I was 12 years old um, during a, uh, I think, seventh grade field trip. Mm -hmm. um, I was 12 years old. I was really shy and quiet. Um, I still kind of am. No one believes me, though. <laughs> and my teacher, me too. Uh, my seventh 
teacher wanted to challenge me and she's like, you can't just sit in the back of the bus. You have to actually like participate in this field trip. And if you don't, I'm going to dock your grade. Mm. And, you know, I was like a straight A student. I was not having it. So I'm like, all right, fine. Like I'll do whatever. I'm not trying to have my grade docked. And we took field trips to a courthouse in Boston and she made me play the role of John Adams because we were reenacting the Boston massacre. And he Mm. was the attorney that represented the soldiers. And he was the underdog. He didn't have a lot of experience and he was representing everybody. Um, he was representing the soldiers that everybody hated. Mm-hmm. And he ended up, you know, he won the case. And during this reenactment, it was the first time in life that I wasn't nervous. I wasn't scared. I didn't mess up on my lines or wow. anything. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, I think I could be a lawyer when I grow up. I didn't really know what an attorney did outside of what that field trip taught me, but mm-hmm. I was like, I want to kind of be an attorney when I grow up to help people. And the rest is history. And I became an attorney when I wow. grew up. <laughs> wow. I wonder how come you didn't think I want to be an actress instead? Because <laughs> you were basically like playing a role. Mm-hmm. This is true too. Um, Probably because again, I was like shy, quiet. I didn't really like public speaking, didn't mm-hmm. like the public. So probably why, that's probably why I didn't really think that. Okay. And so you went on the fast track essentially to becoming becoming a lawyer. Um, what did you decide, you know, like exactly what school you wanted to go to, or was that was there like a journey within that? Um, no, I just wanted to go to law school. I didn't really care who accepted me. I just really <laughs> wanted to go. I, I wasn't really picky about where I ended up going. I did end up going to the University of Massachusetts in Dartmouth mm. and um Actually, my mom told me about this school because they had just been the state just purchased a private law school in Massachusetts to become the first public law school in Massachusetts. Mm. And my mom said, hey, you should look into applying to the school. So I did. And it was actually the last law school I um, applied to. And I really liked it. And I ended up going there. Okay, wow. And so I know that, you know, you've always wanted to be a lawyer as long as you can remember now. Right. And so. How was it once you got out of law school? Was <clears throat> excuse me, <laughs> was that an easy transition into the legal field uh, when you when you graduated? Absolutely not. So I always say that first, the um, law school was the worst three years of my life. Really, like, mm-hmm. I I'm never doing that. Like you couldn't pay me enough to go back to law school. It was just really <laughs> worst three years of my life. And I figured that after law school would be easier for me because Mm -hmm. I did everything right throughout my whole life. I decided to be a lawyer at 12. I did, you know, model UN and all that stuff in high school and college. Mm -hmm. I didn't go on spring break. Like I focused on my studies and I did everything right. And, you know, once I graduated from law school, took the bar, failed it by like 1.47 points. I was devastated. Mm -hmm. Took the February bar, passed it. And then I couldn't find work. Like no one would hire me Mm. because I just passed the bar. So they were like, well, you're barely an attorney. You have zero experience because, you know, law school doesn't count for anything, apparently. And then also (laughs) at the same time, being told that I'm overqualified because I'm an attorney. And prior to law school, I got my MBA. So it's Mm. kind of like the worst of both worlds, I guess. So um, coming out of law school is very, very challenging for me. Um, That particular summer, I remember applying to over 500 jobs all over the place. In Massachusetts, I applied for jobs in New York, Connecticut, the DMV, anyone who had a legal position that I could do, I applied there. Mm -hmm. And I actually ended up moving 
moving out of Massachusetts to the DMV for work. And as soon as we moved down there, um, my then boyfriend, now husband, mm-hmm. we moved down there. My job offer fell through. His job offer fell through. And we actually ended up um, temporarily homeless for a little while wow. because no one would hire us. Um, we ran through our savings. Like it was not pretty at all. And we ended up coming back to Massachusetts because my husband's former boss said, you know, if there's any way that we can get you back up here, things aren't the same since you left, like nothing's Mm. getting done. And my husband was like, I mean, if you're serious, we can get back up there like right now. So we moved back up to Massachusetts. So he was able to find a job, but I was still looking and I would just continue to like volunteer at legal services. So I wanted to make sure that my skills were still fresh. And also just to kind of see if maybe, you know, a grant would open up or something and, you know, maybe I could get a job. Mm-hmm. And I just remember one day um, I had just volunteered helping someone with their case and I just loved it. I wasn't making any money, but I was mm-hmm. just happy doing what I went to school for, doing what I loved. And mm-hmm. I remember wanting to just treat myself to like a slice of pizza and a Pepsi that whole summer, <laughs> any extra that I got from jobs here and there, I was paying bills. And I was like, I just want to treat myself to something. But something made me check my bank account before I did that. Mm -hmm. And so I checked my bank account and saw that my bank had put a lien on my account. So I couldn't even afford a slice of pizza and a Pepsi. And at the time, um, we were living with one of my friends, because again, nowhere to live. So one of my friends took us in. And so we're just living in her basement pretty much on like a full-size bed in her basement. Mm -hmm. And I remember driving back to her house and the sky started to change. It was sunny like it is here now. And then the closer I got to her house, the weather just started getting really bad. It was storming, it was raining. And I just parked in her driveway and just was crying my eyes out. And just like, Mm -hmm. God, like told me to be a lawyer when I was a little kid. I really believed that I was called to do this work. So I was just really mad at God. I'm like, you told me to do this. I did everything right. I went right. to school. I, I wasn't on drugs or anything. I didn't do spring break. I did nothing fun. All I did was focus on becoming an attorney. Mm-hmm. And now I'm doing it and nothing is working and I'm struggling. And I refuse to believe that this is what you want for me. And mm-hmm. it's like, what can I do? And I just like randomly just thought to myself, you know what? No one will hire me. I'll hire myself. Mm-hmm. And literally like the rate of boring the sky started opening up I just went inside and just went to my you know little basement room and started my law office and the rest oh my god (laughs) wow that is some some amazing story you said a lot there um one like what was that like just to go back a little bit like coming out of school having I guess three degrees right um and then not having a place to live like what kind of like emotional uh, roller coaster is that because you know a lot of times they think once we have the title like it's all like gravy right but how how did that feel for you I felt like a failure like Mm -hmm. the day that I got sworn in as an attorney my parents are just you know super proud like super proud Haitian parents Mm -hmm. like my daughter's a lawyer like super proud the day that I got sworn in I had maybe $20 left in my bank account, if that. Mm -hmm. And I had just started um, getting food stamps because I literally had nothing. So here I am being sworn in as an attorney and I'm on food stamps. I have like $20 to my name. I felt like a failure. Mm -hmm. While my parents are out here proud of me, I felt like nothing. I felt like this cannot be life. And I graduated from law school um, when the economy was still rebounding from the recession. Yet 
like improved yet. So I felt like a failure that I had nothing, no one would hire me. And, it, and I felt kind of conned too, because our generation, we're told go to school, get that education. The job will be waiting for you on mm-hmm. the other side. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. So I kind of felt like I have six figures in student loan debt for what exactly? So mm-hmm. I was, I was a very emotional time. I was frustrated. I was pissed. I was sad. Um, I remember while I was getting sworn in, like crying and everybody around me was like crying tears of like happiness. Yeah. I was crying tears of like, just, I just felt so defeated, but I had to kind of like, um, pretend that they were tears of like happiness and joy and they weren't. Wow. Bianca, I just want to thank you for telling your story and thinking and, you know, telling it so, so genuinely and so real because, you know, I have a very similar path, you know, to to yours as where I got out of law school at the same time in 2011 was when the economy was rebounding and had the same thing applied, applied, applied <laughs> to places like, you know, and, and I, I got very I felt very defeated, very discouraged. Um, I ended up taking a temporary position at a law firm for like six months, but I knew it was temporary going in. And then when I got out, I got pregnant with my daughter and I was like, okay, if I couldn't get a job before, how am I going to get a job now? And that's how I ended up starting my firm. But that emotional roller coaster, like you said, feeling like you've been duped, feeling like I just spent three years, three of the hardest years of my life pouring into this thing that I'm thinking that this is going to be the American dream. Like I'm like the top of the top and you come out and it's like nobody really cares, you know, like you realize there are so many lawyers out there, you know? And so thank you for that. Cause I think, you know, attorneys, if there's anybody aspiring to be a lawyer out there or somebody who um, is, of course, this is not everybody's story, right? But there are, there's a, a spectrum <laughs> of how things can turn out. So you got to make sure that you really, really, really want to be an attorney if you're going to, you know, take this journey. Is, is that how you feel about that? Absolutely. I know um, a lot of people were like, I want to go to law school because I want to be rich. And I feel like, so I graduated in 2013. And Mm -hmm. I feel like people around that time, because of the crash, Mm -hmm. they were kind of getting an MBA and figuring, oh, I'll just go to law school because that's where the money is. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of lawyers that are broke or there are lawyers I know that Mm -hmm. barely make like 30, like mid Mm thirties salary, like Law school is not what it used to be. And then I mean, and the profession too. And the other challenge is that we have to, as attorneys, we have to deal with, you know, our competitors, things like the legal zooms and mm-hmm. like the DIY things. And the ABA is so backwards and doesn't really allow us to really compete in that way. Right. So it's not, so being an attorney is no longer the cash cow that people thought it was back in the day. So right. if you really want to become an attorney, you got to be prepared for the good, bad and the ugly. Right. Yeah, it's definitely um, it's definitely a challenge to sort of make your way. Like, of course, there are attorneys who make tons of money, um, but they work for it, <laughs> you know, so you don't don't think that you're just going to come into this and then you're you're going to you're going to just it's just going to be smooth sailing. You're going to definitely um, work for it. So that's why I say the passion has to be there more than the dollars, because if the passion's not there, then you're going to feel you know, very sad. <laughs> and I, I always um tell tell people who ask me like about going to law school and things like that. Um, you know, why? Why do you want to go? You know, and I, I ask them to think about that and think about if the only if the only way for you to find happiness is to go to law school and get that law degree, 
then you should definitely go. But if it's about money or anything else, see if there's other ways that you can achieve that first, <laughs> you know? Definitely. Yeah. So tell me about, so now you had this, this, this um, journey, right? And you finally um, open up your own firm. Um, one, how did you feel in terms of, of confidence and just going out on your own? And, and what was that experience like? Um, so I had no idea what I was doing. Um, <laughs> I mean, obviously I had interned at different places. So I knew going into law school that I wanted to have my own law firm. I do not have the temperament to work for others. Mm -hmm. And I always knew I wanted to have my own law firm, but I wanted to work for another law firm first because spoiler alert for those thinking of going to law school, law school doesn't teach you how to lawyer. It teaches you how to think like one, but it doesn't teach you anything about like running a practice or anything like that. Right. So I wanted to work for someone first just to kind of get an idea of, you know, how things are run and also what people charge. Cause I, most of my experience with immigration has been in legal services where we don't charge people. Okay. So I had no idea, like people, you know, how much things cost like how much a green card costs and things like that. Mm -hmm. So I had to learn all of that stuff on my own. I'm still learning, but mm -hmm. when I started, I didn't really have a choice. You know, my back was up against the wall. I needed to just figure it out as I go. So I ended up just being in a position where like I'm building the boat as it's sinking because <laughs> what other choice do I have? Right. Right. And that's, and you know, a lot of people, when I tell them like that, I started out of law school pretty much. Um, they're like, wow, that's really brave. And I'm like, interesting. You think that, <laughs> you know, that it's really brave, but it is because it's like, you're, you're betting on yourself. You know, you're basically, the person who's going to be writing that check or cutting that check and you're you're basing your whole entire life on the fact that you are going to be successful at this and i think it's awesome right. that you did that you know that you were like i'm i'm gonna do this regardless of what 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 i'm facing um how did you get your first clients so my first clients i so once I decided that i was going to start my law firm i ended up getting a job doing doc review mm -hmm. and it, I only did it for one day. So the money that I made just working one day at doc review, I used it to build my own website and get business cards. Mm -hmm. So I, one day, um, I just was dropping my business cards everywhere, like at the library, just random places. And somebody found my business card and they hired me to be their attorney. Oh, um, wow. so that was how I got my first clients. I didn't have any office space because I could barely, when I started my practice, I could barely afford my law license. That's how broke I was. Okay. I could barely afford my law license. Mm -hmm. So I clearly had no business trying to get office space. So I had no office space and I was just like, I'm a virtual law firm. I don't have an office. I bring the law to you. I kind of spun it in that way. Mm -hmm. And a lot of lawyers were like, you're not a real lawyer. You're not serious. How do you not have an office with a secretary? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like you're like lawyer, I'm not gonna refer like uh, clients to you, whatever. And I was like, I bet. So I'll use social media. Like I don't need your referrals. <laughs> so I right. kind of just like put myself out there, and people would be like, Where are we meeting? And I'm like, We can meet at this room in the library. Um, mm -hmm. if it was somebody I knew, I'd meet them at their house. I just figured it out as mm -hmm. I went along. And those first two clients, they referred me to people at their church, and it kind of just um, grew organically from that, with the conjunction of my being on social media as well. Okay, that's awesome. What is Doc Review for for people who don't know what that is, or maybe attorneys that are, um, you know, out there looking for work? So Doc Review um, is document review, and it's usually when companies or law firms need 
people to review a large amount of information, whether it's for you know an upcoming trial or a deposition or something. So they'll hire people to go through the documents and to just review them, looking for things maybe to take out or point out and things like that. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, I did I did some doc review in my day when I first um, came out. I did a lot of per diem, so where attorneys couldn't handle their matters or they couldn't appear in court, I would um, be on like these lists where um, someone, they would call this particular person and say, hey, I need an attorney to appear. So I was on the list. I would get a call. Can you do an appearance in this particular courthouse or what have you? And so I did that probably for like two years. I did a lot of that um, in addition to... Yeah, in addition to telling my network, like, hey, I'm in business, like, you know, I have my own firm. And so one of my law school um, classmates to this day, I, I like whenever he calls me, I'm like, yes, whatever you need. <laughs> he started to send me clients. And so he sent me a friend of his, his family, you know, things like that. He's also another Haitian attorney. So we stick together. <laughs> and so um, and so that's how like my sort of business got started uh, through that. Um, taking on your first clients, how challenging was that? Did you feel, did you feel like, okay, this is, I can do this. I got this. Or did you feel like, you know, what the heck? <laughs> I felt like I got this. So my mm. very first case as an attorney, um, it was a husband and wife applying for asylum. Mm. And so it was very challenging for me early on in retrospect, because I am like, I mean, I, I believe in people's sob stories mm -hmm. and I ended up for them doing two asylum cases for the price of one. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, I think I only ended up making like $800 from it. Cause they were like, we really can't afford to pay you or sorry. Okay. And I'm like, okay, but I still want to help you. And mm -hmm. like, and my mom was like, no, you can't do this. Like you cannot be poor helping the poor. Like you got bills to pay. I'm not <laughs> right. helping you. Like, so like my mom had to sit me down too and be like I get that you want to help these people but you also need to make a living as well mm -hmm. so that was really challenging for me because um, especially in law school they always teach you like you're supposed to do like x amount of hours of pro bono work and you're supposed to help you know the people that can't afford stuff and whatever mm -hmm. and my mom is like okay but like there are organizations that do that that's mm -hmm. a challenge I still have like I'm in year seven of my law firm and that's something that I still deal with and okay. one of my friends he's always he's always like okay are you brazen legal or are you brazen legal aid because mm. last I checked you you got bills to pay you got people to pay you cannot be just giving your services out there willy-nilly like that so that was my biggest challenge not it wasn't even a confidence thing as far as can I do the work mm -hmm. it was just really people telling me like hey, I need your services or fellow Haitian people being like, hey, I'm Haitian too. Can you help me for free? Or right. I know your mom, I know your dad, like help me. And me feeling like um, combination, well, I'm new, so I should discount my services or do it for free. And then combination, just not wanting to disappoint people and just wanting to take in as much money as possible, even if it ended up being like $800 for two asylum cases. Yeah. Oh man, you're, you're telling all the good stuff here, <laughs> Bianca. Because these are the things that, you know, new, especially attorneys go through when we are, you know, taking on clients, when we're starting new businesses, because one, um, even if it's not a confidence issue, it's like the value issue, right? You feel like, well, I know this, I could just tell you, right? Or whether or not it takes you 10 hours or it takes you three hours, you're kind of like, oh, well, it only took me 
But the val- we don't realize what the value is that we're giving, like the time we're saving someone, the heartache, maybe the, the money that we're saving someone. And we paid to know this, right? We paid to know how to navigate these waters. And that's why we have to charge what we, what we charge, right? And so there is that struggle, especially like coming from an immigrant family, like having that compassion, because I'm like the same, like I'm very compassionate. But after a while, you realize, okay, uh, (laughs) you know, I have to, you know, I have to, I'm building something here. And then especially if you end up having employees, then they got to eat too. They got to get paid. So we have to like, yeah, we actually have to charge what what we're worth. So that's, that's, that's cool. Um, So what are some misconceptions? So so let's shift a little bit to talking about immigration law. What are some misconceptions that people have about immigration law? I think the number one misconception is that immigration is just forms. Like it's just Mm. filling out forms. You don't need a lawyer. You can figure it out. And that's not the case at all. And even if it was just forms, Mm. a standard green card application packet has about 90 forms. And the questions are, based on immigration law, which I think after tax law is the most complicated area of law in America, if not IP, but either way, it's like top three complicated areas of law. Mm -hmm. There are lawyers who have been practicing for longer than I have been practicing that are still confused about what I believe are like basic principles in immigration law. So never Mm -hmm. mind like a layman, someone who, you know, especially somebody who maybe English isn't their first language. It's very complicated. And I've seen people, you know, I've seen people get deported because they didn't hire a lawyer because they thought it was just forms. Maybe they made a mistake on their form and now they're being deported and they don't have any defenses. So it's definitely not just. And even if it was, this is your freedom that we're talking about. This Mm -hmm. is like immigration, not just about getting a green card and staying here. It's also a legacy issue because if you can secure your status, then you can potentially petition for other family members to come here too Mm. or in the alternative you can secure a better position in america where you're working a better job maybe a better paying job that allows you to send more money back home to really um, help the community that you left behind Mm -hmm. so it's definitely not filling out forms and that's the biggest trap that i see people fall into yeah i mean the diy craze has definitely taken over with a lot of these things and um not that I mean, there are a lot of things that I think people can certainly do on their own, but I do believe also that they are um, overestimating their ability to uh, handle these things, right? And so um, the problem is like what can be avoided, like information that you need to um, avoid so that uh, they're not falling into these things like getting deported or I <laughs> unfortunately know somebody who... Um, traveled out they they didn't have their uh their their papers to stay here right they traveled outside of the country and to visit a sick family member and they were were not able to come back and so they they have a business here they have family here they have property here and so had they not taken things into their own hand and maybe spoken to an immigration attorney that they would have been able to maybe avoid some of those pitfalls right Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I see that happen all the time. And I always tell people, even if you think that you're confident enough to do your immigration case on your own, Mm -hmm. still meet with an immigration attorney because there might be blind spots that you didn't think about. I had a consultation with someone one time who she qualified for a green card through her kid, but because she came to the U.S. illegally twice, she was actually subject to a permanent bar 
that would prevent her from getting that green card. Wow. So, you know, you don't know certain things. And a lot of it is based in the law that people don't really know. People know, for example, if you marry a U.S. citizen, it's easier for you to get a green card. Mm. But they don't know that the law requires that you came here legally and you don't have any other issues. So people get into trouble all the time because they maybe know a friend of a friend who knows a little bit about immigration and they kind of go based on that. Mm. But immigration law is constantly changing, especially in the last five years. Right. And so it's still worth speaking with an immigration attorney, even if you feel like you can handle your case on your own. Yeah, it's almost like tax law, right? How is it like dependent on like, you know, is it politically motivated, like depending on who's in office is how the laws change? Um, Not so yes much. and no. Okay. So, I mean, we definitely with immigration, we, I mean, we've seen that, um, we've seen that a little bit. Like, so mm-hmm. we have DACA because um, President Obama, um, you know, issued an executive order to allow that. Okay. And then we saw also that the Trump administration tried to get rid of it because it wasn't law. It was an executive order. Mm. And we saw how many other things the Trump administration tried to do right. that, you know, the Biden administration is reversing and things like that. So um, it is kind of tied to who's in office, unfortunately. Mm. And part of that is because, you know, Congress, regardless of the administration, doesn't want to do their job and just update these super old immigration laws. Right, right. So you talked about a little bit about um, relationships, marrying people to get a green card. And that, as far as I know, that's like been the, the my biggest exposure to immigration law because I always hear about people doing these type of things. Is it still possible to do that? And what is it? What are the the challenges or the pitfalls that people can find themselves in? Sure. So people still um, are able to get green cards through marriage. It's mm-hmm. the easiest way to, well, I don't want to say it's the easiest way. People mm-hmm. think it's the easiest way because if you're married to a U.S. citizen, for example, there are a lot of things that you can, quote unquote, like get away with okay. that other people could not. So, for example, if you come here with a visitor's visa and then you overstay, but you're married to a U.S. citizen, you can get your green card here. You don't need a waiver. Like mm-hmm. you don't need it's like it isn't really that complicated pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, you know, other situations might mean that you got to leave the country to get your green card. And some people don't want to take that chance. Mm. Um, so, so as long as it's a valid marriage, like, so you can't say, I need a green card. Let me go marry this person. <laughs> or right. I want a green card. let me pay this person like $20,000 for the marriage to get the green card. That's illegal. Can't do that. Mm-hmm. But as long as you guys, are you know you met each other fell in love and all that stuff absolutely you can can still get a green card the pitfall that I see people falling into a lot Mm -hmm. now is that you know the same thing oh it's just filling out forms I don't really um, need an attorney and it's again it's not the forms where I'm seeing people get tripped up at now is at the interview so the Mm -hmm. form packet the application packet could be flawless but because you're not prepared for the interview, you don't know what the officer is asking you. Mm-hmm. Or um, sometimes I'll see people, again, not using an attorney, going to the interview on their own. And sometimes, depending on the officer, mm-hmm. they'll take advantage of you because, of that because they think really? that you don't know what's going on. You're not prepared. You're by yourself. You don't know that the officer is not allowed to ask you certain questions. Mm-hmm. And then because you're not prepared, you might freak out. You might feel like you need to answer whatever's asked mm-hmm. and not feel like you can speak up for yourself. And before you know it, the officer is either denying your case or, you know, even worse off, misinterpreting things and saying that 
you know, this is a fraudulent marriage and now you're screwed for life. Okay. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) That is interesting. So your, your recommendation is that if someone is going to apply for, um, if they are going to apply to have their spouse, you know, come into the country or to get married, to get citizenship, that they absolutely get an attorney to represent them in that um, interview. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if you, like, even if you maybe DIY'd it and now you're preparing for the interview, mm-hmm. have a consultation with an attorney and, you know, just tell them, Hey, my interview's coming up. What are some things that I should be aware of? Or, what are some things that I should bring with me to the interview to prove the validity of my marriage and things like that? Okay. And the other thing too, immigration, everything is taking forever. It's taking an average of like 13 and a half months for most applications for green cards wow. to be processed. Sometimes we have to call immigration and yell at them and get them moving on our case. Sometimes that's like a 90 minute hold that until you're waiting to speak to someone. Wow. If you get an attorney, they can do that. Like, do you really want to spend 90 minutes of your time on hold just to be told like whatever, or would you rather an attorney handle that for you so that you can spend time with your loved ones, binging squid game on Netflix <laughs> or doing something other than, you know, being on hold for your immigration case. Right. Right. Um, yeah, that's absolutely right. Leave it to the experts because especially like, since you know what to ask, you know, like how to navigate the system and, um, sort of make sure that you're not saying the wrong things as well. And what about, um, I know there's a lot of people who come on visas for uh, business to work here. Mm-hmm. What what, are those, what does that look like if someone wanted to come here in order to um, work or get a work visa? So there are a variety of options to come in for work visas. I don't really handle employment immigration, okay. but there are visas. Um, the most common one is the H-1B visa which is um, good for people that want to work at different companies, like think Facebook, Google, like they rely on these visas a lot. Mm -hmm. And as long as a job has, um, as long as a job requires a minimum of a bachelor's degree, and they can prove that they need to hire you because they can't find any other Americans or people Mm -hmm. that already have authorization to work in it, Mm -hmm. then you're able to get this visa to come to the US for a maximum of six years, and you can work here. And then beyond that six years, if the company wants to keep you, then they would need to apply for you to get a green card. So there are definitely a lot of options where you can get a temporary work visa to come here, or you can have the company just flat out petition for you to get a green card. It just depends on what their goals are, what your goals are, and what makes the most sense. Okay. And how are things, um, how are things now after you have, um, you know, gone through your struggles and sort of made it the long haul. <laughs> they say, I think it's, if it's after five years, you're, 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 you're sort of um, on the right track. How, how is your, um, how are you experiencing running your practice now? I think now I just have a new set of challenges. So before mm. it was just by myself. And now that I have a team, um, the challenges are just making sure that I'm delegating to them, not handling everything on my own. I'm like a crazy, like control freak Virgo. <laughs> so um, being able to like trust my team and they're amazing. It's really, it's really more me than them. I'm okay. just making sure that I'm delegating to them to give them enough work to do so that um, I'm not driving myself crazy. So that's, that's the newest challenge just making sure that I'm delegating, making sure that, you know, business is still coming in because I got to pay these people because they got to eat. Um, <laughs> right. so just a new set of challenges. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, as you grow, um, 
that's that's the new challenge because you're so used to doing it all on your own. Now you sort of have to let go of the vine, as they say. And I, I even look back and when I'm looking through like old files or looking through our system, I'm like, how did I do all this stuff on my own? It's like crazy. Um, but yeah. but it's a good it's a good challenge to have, you know, delegating, delegating to to people It's definitely necessary. Yes. though. Mm hmm. Absolutely. Yes. And I wouldn't trade it for anything. I look at it more so um, just when I reflect on how far I've come. Mm -hmm. And like, if you told me that seven years in, I would, you know, have a team be doing what I love. Right. Um, you know, I, I would have thought that you're crazy. So I mean, I'm here, you know, it's like God gets all the glory. And you know, Amen. I went through all that. I feel like in a way, everything I went through was him testing me to be like, you sure you want this life? Like, you sure you want this life? Right. And that's how I feel. Like I had to go through um, like an initiation to get to where I am now. And I, as much as it was tough and I hated it, like, I, I don't think I changed my journey one bit. Wow. That's beautiful. I love that. Definitely feels like initiation. Definitely feels like you had to want it to get here. So I totally agree with you. Bianca, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for joining me. How can people find you if they want to um, use your services for your firm or if you're speaking anywhere, how can they find you? Sure. So my law firm is Brazen Legal. So you can go to brazenlegal.com to learn more about me and my law firm. And I'm on social media at Brazen Lawyer. I'm pretty much Brazen Lawyer everywhere, but I hang out the most on Instagram. Okay. Awesome. All right, Bianca, thank you so much. And we'll be in touch. We'll, we'll not be strangers like we have been. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Because I've been following all the stuff that you're doing too. And it's like always amazing. Thank and you're you. very inspiring. I'm like, Oh my God, Sabine just did this awesome thing. I need to step my own view up. So I love what you're doing too. Awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. <laughs>